This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. y'all. I am super pumped about today's episode because in this episode, my husband is joining me and we are going to be talking about our experience and our journey with buying our first house and some of the lessons that we've learned being first-time homebuyers. We've owned a home for just under six months now, so we're still really early on, but already we've learned so many valuable lessons through the buying process, the negotiation process, moving in, and even living in the house. And the first few months, what comes up during those first few months and all the things you have to figure out. So I'm excited. Just a disclaimer though, unfortunately he wasn't able to join me in the studio. So we phoned him in. So his audio might be a little bit different than mine, but Hey, we made it work. So anyways, I'm pumped. I hope you're pumped without further ado. Let's dive into all that we have to share with you today. Babe, are you excited? I am so excited. Oh good. Well, I'm excited too. And I'm super happy to have you on. This is so fun. (laughs) We need to do this together more. Oh yeah. Anyways, I'm going to let you tell the story about kind of the process as to how we came across buying a house because we totally weren't planning that, were we? No, no. That, that's what was funny is uh, we had, you know, we, we were living in a rental home, um, which was good because we lived in uh, two apartments prior to that. And we wanted, I guess, kind of to preface this whole story, uh, I think Jay, both you and I would recommend renting a house prior to yeah. owning a house. Just yeah. get used to the maintenance of a house. Um, you in know, general. mowing the lawn, yeah. shoveling snow if you live in a place where there's snow, and yeah, so. Yeah, that was a really good stepping stone, I feel like, for us, because before that and prior to that, we had kind of moved around a lot and lived in apartments. We had lived with family, and so we hadn't really gotten used to even having our own garage, you know, which seems silly, but that's actually kind of like something you have to learn, too. So I'm really glad that we did that for that year, and I actually was okay with staying there until Matt randomly found something that we needed to check out. Babe, tell him the story of how all of a sudden— we were in the process of looking at a home to buy. Yeah, so I had been looking on uh, Zillow, which is a real estate app, not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> Hashtag but, not an ad. <laughs> anyways, um, I had some kind of filters. I had given a price range, and on the app, you can kind of like draw with your finger like a, a location, an area of town. It can be custom. It doesn't have to be like a, a radius, like a circle necessarily. So that worked because we knew what 
part of town we wanted to be in and um yeah price range property size and this house popped up one day and it was it fit all of those things and so i i drove by it and this was unbeknownst to me i don't think i even knew that you did that yeah no i i didn't tell jordan for a couple days because i want to make sure it was legit so drove by the house i didn't even go up the driveway it's a long driveway uh didn't want to creep the current owners out um (laughs) But I came home a couple days later. I told Jordan, I was like, babe, I know we're not really looking at a house, but we need to look at this house. Um, so we called the realtor, set up an appointment. And and I gave a little pushback at first. I was like, babe, yeah. we are not buying yeah. a house right now. Life was crazy. There was so many things that were going on. And there wasn't any kind of rush. Like we hadn't been in this this place of, oh, we got to start shopping for a house or anything. And so you had been, I, I mean, and I think to give context, you've, you had loved looking at Zillow and just getting ideas for a long time. Like you, honestly, I yeah. felt like since we first got married and I thought you were just crazy. I'm like, what are you doing? We are not even in a place to consider that. But I think you are someone, I mean, Matt loves fixer-upper and all the shows and really loves to get ideas. And so you were kind of like, I'm just getting ideas <laughs> until it turned into a reality. But I love it because then he said, hey, let's go check out this house. And I think I think I was a, I gave a little pushback at first, didn't I? I was like, we don't need to do that. And you kind of had to talk me into it. Yeah, you're like, babe, we don't need to buy a house. We're in a rental house. We still have like four months yeah. left on our lease. We don't want to be looking at this right now. And I was like, well, you know, the whole buying a house process doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think you can talk to that a little bit more later. But finally, convinced Jay to uh, do a tour with me. And we pull up the day of our tour, and we kind of got a late snowfall. Was it in, like, early March? Yeah, it was early or, or mid. No, I think it was early March. It was it was one of those things that was probably yeah, early a little, March. little late for it to be snowing. but Yeah, so, so it, it's snowing. And well, and I mean, it wasn't, and it's not because it was some like magical thing. I think it was just the hour of day and everything. It was just very peaceful. We had had like a really nice morning together. So we both had these soft, squishy hearts that you could totally persuade in that moment. And then this really pretty little snowfall was just like, well, shoot, you know, like, here we go. (laughs) And I mean, we live out in the country, so it was just very peaceful out there. And I think that's kind of what both of us were like, oh, this is nice. Anyways, okay, so we go in the house, and we both were like, this is so us. And I remember thinking, I, I had this thought of, like, there's no way that this is going to work out. For, you know what I mean? Because whenever I thought buying a house, it just seemed this like this monstrous task, like this huge, crazy, big thing. And I, I think you and I talked about this. It's not going to hurt to find out if we even would qualify or something like that, right? Because we weren't looking. Right. So th- we weren't actually actively shopping. So we hadn't even really like gone through the lender process or any of that. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, so we thought, okay, what's it going to hurt to at least find out? And, of course, it was later that day. He's like, yeah, you're good. Then I remember thinking, oh, shoot, now we're going to buy this house. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, well, oh, and no. And that was the thing. When we when we went and looked at it, we were talking with a listing agent who we ended up using as our agent, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. But yeah. she had told us, yeah, like you're the you know third or fourth couple that I've shown this house to and it had only been on the market for like three days yeah at that point so anyways we uh, we, we spoke with a lender and we were qualified and it was something that Jordan and I had talked about and it was a reasonable mortgage payment and it felt like you know it was something that we definitely could 
could do and could afford. Mm -hmm. But what I still had this idea in my head, and for anyone who may be thinking about buying a house or wanting to or in the process of or whatever, I kind of had this idea. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take months. This is going to, like, be so stressful. This is going to – you're going to run into a ton of issues because I had heard so many horror stories about how people would make an offer and something would fall through or how this would happen and then this would go wrong, you know. And so you kind of hear those stories sometimes. So I remember every step of the process still not entirely believing we would really end up in the house because I always Mm -hmm. kind of had this idea in the back of my mind that something would – be really difficult or this unexpected issue would really pop up or whatever. And that can certainly happen. That wasn't necessarily our experience. It ended up being kind of smooth over the course of the buying process. But there were things that we definitely learned along the way. And it took, it definitely took time, but it wasn't nearly as like earth shattering or crazy difficult as I thought it would be. Would you say the same thing, babe? Yeah, definitely. I, I think when you, um, we had kind of had our finances lined up and ready to go for this. Mm-hmm. We had prepared thinking that eventually, you know, it'd be something we want to do, but we just weren't anticipating it being, you know, this year or whatever. But we have learned a lot along the way since then, not only just through the buying process, but also just being first time homeowners. And some of the things people had warned us on or told us would happen. And you kind of hear that and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. And then it actually happens and you're like, wow, oh, shoot. <laughs> But I think it it can be really helpful to hear um, from someone who we've only been homeowners at this point for like six or seven months. And so not even that, probably six months. So just for us to be able to share those things and what we're learning along the way in these really early months, I think can be really could be really hopefully beneficial to anyone in, you know, preparing for that or looking into that or thinking about it and having same some of the same hesitations or maybe making some of the same assumptions or having even some of the fears that I had going into it. Right. Okay, so let's dive into the lessons. I'm going to start off and then Matt will will kind of go back and forth. One of the first things, this is one that I personally had to learn, and I'm not sure if you really experienced this as much. Feel free to speak into it. But um, the first would be don't take it personally when the lender questions your finances or has to verify everything a thousand and four times. Because I did a lot of the back and forth with him just because I have a more flexible work schedule. And so I was able to, you know, answer his questions at one in the afternoon while Matt was in the middle of work. And so there were a couple different times where he would ask me something and then need like 17 different documents to verify. And I remember being like, I'm not a crook. (laughs) Why are you questioning me? You know? Um, And then there were even um, a couple of times where we had to go to get a certain document from the bank or to get something verified from the bank. And he would literally come with me to the teller booth. And I just felt so weird sometimes. Like, man, this guy is seeing into every piece of my life. There is nothing, like, it's just kind of uncomfortable a little bit. Um, And that's their job. That's what they have to do. And if I had told myself that prior to it happening, I probably would have thought of that piece of advice as kind of silly. Like, are you really that frivolous, Jay? Obviously, they need to see all your finances to make sure that you're qualified to buy this house. But it did make me feel a little a little on edge, like, gosh, he's like looking into everything. I feel just like I'm being investigated. I don't know. It's just kind of a strange feeling. So I kind of had to get to this place where I had to not look at it so personally and just remember he's doing his job. And that took a couple of weeks to get to because it was kind of a process. I don't know. Did you feel like that ever? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we had to realize like, okay, this lending company, whether you go through a bank or a mortgage company, Mm -hmm. they're they're lending you a significant amount of money. Right. (laughs) So they're just doing their due diligence to make sure that, you know, you can keep up 
your end of the bargain as far as the mortgage payment goes. Yeah. But that's just one thing I would tell any first-time home buyer. Don't be like – it will sometimes feel like you're being really investigated and kind of picked apart. It's normal. They're not looking at you and doubting you or it's not personal. And I had to kind of remind myself of that. Yeah, definitely. Second thing, you know, just because you make an offer on the house doesn't mean it's automatically yours, Mm -hmm. which kind of sounds self-explanatory. But like when you put that offer in, you're like, oh, yeah, we got it. Mm -hmm. Or you might think like there's no way they could say no to this or whatever. And it's it's almost actually kind of a peace of mind because it's a way to start the process without feeling like you're signing your life away. Yeah, in a, in a way, because you can, it's like any kind of, you know, if you've done any kind of buying or selling or haggling, like you don't, you don't give away the barn, so to speak. Mm-hmm. In, in some cases, the, the seller will be wanting to move quickly and, you know, you can use that to your advantage. You know, and if you're selling a house, even if you have time, that gives you a little bit more um, leverage, but it, it's definitely a, a back and forth process. I think the rule of thumb that we looked up was, you don't want to offer less than 90% of the asking price. To show that you're serious. Right. It shows you're serious and it's not an insulting offer. Right. So it's kind of like when we went through the process, again, I was a little bit still kind of hesitant and it felt like a lot and a very new thing because that's not a small, you know, life milestone by any means. So first we got pre-qualified or we found out we were qualified for the loan. So then that was like kind of step one. And then we started the process. And what's nice about buying a house, which can also be kind of stressful, I know, but you can also kind of move through the steps slowly. And I kind of truly believe that if you're going through the steps slowly and not, you know, just trying to rush through them and get it tomorrow, even if it's a house that you love and then they end up not accepting your offer or something falls through throughout the process, then that means that house wasn't for you and there's going to be another perfect fit, you know? And I think my dad had to remind me of that because, babe, we almost bought a house the year prior before we rented. We almost put this offer on a house and my dad called me and we were living in another part of the country. We hadn't even had a chance to see it. We were going to like offer sight unseen. And again, you can offer, but when you offer, it's not like you're just sending in a piece of paper. You're also putting a little bit of money down to say, we're serious enough. You know, you're not spending the full amount by any means, but you're kind of putting a little bit of a deposit to say, we're willing to put some skin in the game to show you we're serious about at least pursuing to see if this would be a good fit. But the first time we had thought about buying a house a year earlier, my dad called and he's like, what are you doing? This is not, you know, he kind of had to speak some like sense into us because it was just too rash of an idea. We just saw it online and thought, we love it. It's perfect. Let's do it. You know? And so there was a lot of emotion behind that decision. And so this time we were a lot more hesitant and we took it one step at a time. And I think we realized, okay, we can make an offer and that doesn't mean we end up with the house. Like we can at least start the process and make sure that as we go, that the inspection comes back good, that thing, you know, they have to accept the offer, all the things. There's so many different steps until it actually happens. So there's a little bit of peace in mind in that, that, okay, if I like this enough to where I could see myself living here and we have the, and we have the ability to make sense financially to at least try it, we can put the offer in, you know, and see if it goes through. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you to Lola for sponsoring this episode. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. The founders started their company with a simple and seemingly obvious idea. Women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. They asked themselves, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? Amen. 
Unlike the major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going into your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. The FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, so most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and more. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemicals, cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. This is a company founded by women for women. It makes your month just a little bit easier too. Their subscription is fully customizable so you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible as well. You can change, skip, or cancel it at any time. Personally, my mom recently called me and she was like, Jay, you should probably really be using organic products. And so I went to the store and I actually had a hard time finding some stuff. And so when I heard about Lola, I was like, oh, I definitely have to look into this. And I really love the convenience of it because it's not that easy to find. The majority of brands out there don't offer 100% natural organic products, even in feminine care. So if this is something that you're interested in checking out and you agree that you would love to have a healthier alternative to what's out there in the, in the major mainstream market, go to mylola.com and get 40% off of any subscription by using the promo code SHE. Just go to mylola.com and enter the promo code SHE. Woo! Go organic tampons. <laughs> Okay, so next tip that I would have from at least a female perspective, but I'm sure you can agree with this too, hun, is to unpack your kitchen and your bedroom first. This is something my mom taught me, and I kind of learned this throughout a lot of our moves, but I think it's a little bit different when it's a house that you own because it's a little different from being in a rental that you know is somewhat temporary. When you are moving in there for a long extended period of time, it can kind of feel like, oh, I want to get everything perfect and I don't know where anything goes and it can be super stressful and it feels very overwhelming. I mean, I had a little bit of an emotional breakdown that second day after moving in because it was just so much to process. I just remember feeling like totally overwhelmed. And so my mom really helped me kind of process and kind of do things in a helpful order. And she's like, unpack your kitchen and get your kitchen set and your bedroom set first. If you can get that set and kind of learn your way around those two things before you start decorating or get everything else in place in all the other rooms, you're going to feel so much better because really it comes down to furnish your most important rooms first. Consider where do you really do the most living, right? It's really difficult to get by without at least knowing where your utensils go or, you know, um, getting your bed made or whatever. So those core areas that you do your most living need to be what you focus on primarily. And then you can start moving into, okay, now I want to think about where, you know, our lazy boy will go or where we'll put this coffee table or whatever. And so it can be really frustrating when you have boxes everywhere and you don't know where anything goes and everything's like on top of each other and you just almost feel a little, I'm, I'm kind of, you're way more chill than I am, but I'm just really struggle with clutter <laughs> and I really struggle when I feel like there's no order to something. And so it was a little bit uncomfortable for me, but Getting those two rooms in order and making those the priority the first couple days you're in the house really helps me then move at a healthier pace. So if I could say anything about just like the moving in process of buying a house, it will feel a little bit stressful because it's like your house. You want it to be something that you want to live in and it doesn't feel so temporary anymore. And so, yeah, prioritize those few rooms and it'll really help the process. Definitely. 
All right, next we are going to talk about home improvement projects because that is another thing that goes hand-in-hand with buying a house. Things are going to break. And so when you buy a house, part of what you want to factor in, your budget is not just you know the cost of the house, but you also want to have some money set aside for repairs mm-hmm. for when things break. So, for example, our AC broke this past week, and Indiana decided to jump back into summer, and it was like 95 <laughs> degrees. So our house was like 85 degrees, which is not comfortable at night. So we had box fans running and were really just sweating way too much for late September. But my point And is, we had to get a new fridge this summer, too. This fridge broke. Right, right. So you, you want to have the money set aside to where you can pay for a repair or even potentially a replacement. Mm-hmm. Incidentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the next one would be to use your own inspector, especially if you're sharing the realtor with the sellers, too. We didn't know anything about home inspectors in the area because we had no reason to know anything about them. So our realtor had made, like, one suggestion, and we asked, I think, for a couple more options, and then we were able to vet those options. You don't want to just take the first person that the realtor suggests, especially if the realtor represents both parties, like meaning you and the seller. So it's just really wise to kind of vet them and to be a little bit picky, I guess, in that regard, because you want to make sure that your inspection is completely unbiased and fair. Definitely. And the reason you want that is because there are issues that pertain to your health, specifically water quality, like mold in the basement, or uh, in the crawl space of the house, your roofing quality. If, if they can at least tell you what you're going to need to budget for to replace in the mm-hmm. next you know, five to ten years. And they can give you a pretty accurate timeline just based off of the wear and tear mm-hmm. that they see. Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend you have your inspector check for mold around the house, or even you can check yourself just kind of going around the baseboards of areas that will have a lot of moisture, because where there's moisture, there's mold. You're, you at least have the potential for it. And, you know, when there's moisture, you could have issues with the foundation. So that's something you want to address and address early on in the process. Yeah. And I'm actually really glad that you pointed out when it comes to the inspector, um, having them help you kind of think about the budget and things that will need to be repairs within the next few years. Because even I think it was the roof that would eventually need to be repaired on our house or replaced or something within a five-year period. And so because of that, we were able to even get a little bit more off the price of our house because the original sellers hadn't fixed or repaired that prior. So even though that's eventually going to have to go towards the roof, learning those things ahead of time can help within the negotiations process because it really does affect the value of the house. Absolutely. Now that we're talking about the negotiation process, I touched on this earlier, but when we picked a realtor, we actually ended up using the listing agent. It ended up working out in our benefit in the situation um, just because the house was something we felt we had to move quickly on. And if, if you look at it from the real estate agent's perspective, they make a commission according to what party um, they're representing. Well, when they're representing both parties in a house sale, instead of making just 3% by selling the house for the buyer, they're also making 3% on our side because we use the realtor's services. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a way, that's a good thing because when you're in the negotiation process and you and the seller are both stuck on your own number, the real estate agent will typically work with the seller to come down on their price because if there's a $10,000 gap between like what you're offering and what they're what, willing to sell. Yeah, what they're willing to sell for. 
it's in the agent's best interest to sell the house sooner because they're not going to make that much more money if they wait to get that extra $10,000 added on to the house. Right. Uh, the few the grand difference price. is marginal in what they get. Right. Right. So it's more of a risk for them because if we said we could say, no, we're going to walk away and then she has nothing. She loses double commission because most likely the next person isn't going to go. They, they, they'll probably have their own agent. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're using a listing agent, they'll be able to work with the seller a lot more and work with them on the price to get it a little bit closer to where you at. I mean, you can't, you know, you're, you're not taking advantage of the seller, but it just gives you a little bit more negotiating power. Yeah, I think, and especially in our situation, because the reason we didn't have our own agent is because we weren't like looking around touring homes. This is literally the first house we ever looked at. <laughs> First and last. And so it was a very unique situation. That's not usually everyone's story. So that's definitely a benefit. I would say it can be also not such a good thing because they're kind of representing both parties in our interest. And because it was a house that was kind of going to be probably going relatively quickly and it was definitely a seller's market, it was helpful to have that negotiating power. But I think what can sometimes also happen is then you have this agent who knows what's going on with both parties and there's they're kind of, they have the other party's interest in mind. Like they know what the seller really wants. So I don't know, it can be kind of hard too. There's also the benefit of having someone that's fully representing you. They are not on the seller's side at all and they're going to fight for, you know. So it kind of has pros and cons. It worked out in our benefit in that regard, but I think every situation is slightly different. So just being aware of you can use the listing agent. I didn't even know that was possible. I was very confused when all of a sudden the woman who was representing the seller was also like doing all our stuff and she was amazing. I really loved her. I mean, I feel very grateful for how that all worked out, but it's just knowing the difference in the two ways that you can go about it and kind of do some research on the pros and cons of doing that because we just kind of found ourselves in that situation. And by the grace of God, it worked out. But, you know, I I don't know. I just, it would have been helpful to have a little bit more understanding of that prior, you know? Definitely. Okay, this is one that I have to say because this is, I think, more of a girl thing. That could be a generalization. I know there's a lot of guys who really care about neatness and stuff, but this is definitely a struggle of mine. So my... I care about neatness. I know you do, but I'm a freak about it. Um, The next tip that I would have for anyone that's somewhat of a new homeowner and just when you feel like your life is upside down is to stop apologizing or explaining to visitors when a room doesn't feel done yet. (laughs) They do not care and they are just happy to be invited over. I mean, I have to remind myself of this all the time because there's still two rooms in our house that have like no furniture in them and it kind of stresses me out. And then there's some rooms that have like something, but I kind of know in my head it's like that's temporary or like I like that enough for it to be, but it's not what I really envision here. And I don't know why, but I have this need to tell everyone that. They don't know the difference. They don't know what's in my head. They know we just moved in. They're probably not even thinking about it, but I'm always making these disclaimers and I'm like, oh, this room isn't done yet, or we're going to put this thing over here, or sorry, this room's not furnished. It's like, even though I think it's kind of natural, I have had to slowly try to get myself not to do that so much because it's honestly kind of unnecessary. (laughs) So that's kind of a silly one, but I think it can be a temptation to feel like you have to somehow convince people that it's in progress. But honestly, furnishing a house takes a lot of time. And honestly, buying a house is something that is not a cheap endeavor. And so to be able to fully furnish it and get it exactly how you would want it to look and be able to do that within the first two months is unrealistic because, again, there's these incidental costs that come up. And I think just don't feel the pressure that now you've owned a house for six months and you still have two empty rooms. There's also this 
element of, but is that really where we should be investing our money right now? Or should we be investing the money in the, you know, new air conditioning unit or in getting a, fu- a functioning refrigerator or whatever? So sometimes you have to prioritize things. And so long as the rooms that you do the most living in are done in our little breakfast corner in our kitchen and our bedroom and a guest bedroom, like those things are fine and they're functional. And so just being okay with it being a slow process and knowing that it's not going to come together overnight can be unnatural, but it ends up being what you ultimately want it to be rather than just rushing and putting stuff in there just to make it done, you know? Exactly. If you finally got it, what I've been telling you this whole time, babe. <laughs> Thanks. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So finally, the last one is going to deal with finances. And you know, do you have a, a lot of options? When it comes to buying a house, as far as mortgages go, we got a crash course. <laughs> Thanks to my from dad. The real agent, from the lend- yeah, from uh, from our parents, and we ended up going and doing a thirty-year fixed-rate mortgage, and which is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we learned and what we found out is that these mortgage companies, lenders, banks, they front-load the mortgage with interest. I mean, for the first five years a huge chunk of your mortgage payment is just going to interest. Right. It's not really going towards your principal. Right. So the bank doesn't count on you staying in a house for a long time. So for an example, if you're doing a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, the first few months uh, of your mortgage, your your first payment, say your mortgage payments, for example, just $1,123 a month. $729 $729 of that will be going to interest. Mm-hmm. Only $393 of that will be going to the principal, which is the actual amount you owe. Right. Because these companies aren't counting on you staying in your house for longer than 10 years, and it's a 30-year mortgage. So they're going to try and recoup as much of that money back from you as they can. So your last six mortgage payments, you're still paying that same $1,123. But... Only $19 of it is going towards interest where in, instead of $723. So what we decided to do is we decided to go ahead and do that 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Because it gives you a lower monthly payment than if you did like a 15-year. Correct. So with a 15-year mortgage, you're going to have a higher monthly payment. What we wanted to do is, you know, in case we had, a, I guess if you want to call them lean years um, or dry seasons, we knew that we could pay the 30-year amount. But in the meantime, we're currently paying our mortgage like it's the 15-year. So we're not just writing the check for the amount of a 15-year payment. We're taking that extra money and designating it so it goes towards principal, like goes towards the principal, and you're not, so you're not just paying more into it. Right. You want to designate that extra money. So if that's something that you can do, mm-hmm. um, you will pay drastically less yeah. on your house than you would if you tried to pay it right. the 30th way. Right, because the interest is so high. Right. It means that you're paying more. Right. Like if you took out an $80,000 loan or a $100,000 loan or something for a house, and then if you paid it with exactly like it is, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But it's just this idea of it's going to take you a lot longer to actually own the house because if it's all said and done after 30 years, you will, over the course of those 30 years, you wouldn't have just spent $100,000 and paid back the loan because of interest and the majority of it in the beginning, you would have probably spent 150000 or something like that. Like you're spending so much more if you're doing it that way. And so I, I love that piece of advice, babe. I hadn't even really thought about talking about that, but I'm glad you brought it up because we didn't know that. <laughs> you know, we thought, oh, this is just what you have to do. 
Right. So that example was, say, if you were paying, if, if you had a $300,000 mortgage, you would actually end up paying over the course of that loan, you would end up paying about $20,000 more just in interest over that time period than you would if you were to do a, yeah. a 15 year. That's interesting. So it's just something yeah. to think about if you're in the situation to be able to do that, definitely pay down the principal. If you get a, a bonus or no, you win the lotto or something, you, you come across <laughs> or, the money that you weren't expecting. Or just in different seasons. Um, like what I love about that is that you're not ob- obligated to pay a higher amount. It's just, oh, hey, we've had a couple of months where our other expenses have been lower or, you know, you got a bonus at the end of the year. Let's pay it like a 15 the next three months instead of going on some wild vacation or whatever. Let's really steward this investment that we've made because it really is an investment. And let's own more and more of a percentage because if you put down a down payment of only 10 percent, you only own 10 percent of your house. You know, so the bank owns the majority right. of it. So the sooner you can own a higher and higher percentage, the more that you have leverage and the more that you actually own the investment that you're making. So it doesn't have to be what you do for a long extended period of time, but there could be these seasons where for three months or six months or whatever, you say, we're going to put more towards right. the principal and we're going to pay it like it's a 15. You know, you calculate that price out and and then there might be a couple, se- a couple months where maybe you have kids or you have other expenses come up or a health expense. And what's so great about doing it that way is you don't feel like shoot, now we have this 15-year mortgage payment, so it's, you know, really double the amount or whatever per month. Instead, oh, okay, we can just bring it back down. We knew that this could happen, and we're not obliged to pay more than this minimum amount. But we can pay more in these healthier months or these months that are a little bit, you know, we have a little bit more wiggle room. Definitely. Awesome. Well, I think that's everything. Do you have anything else to say? (laughs) Thanks for having me on your show, babe. I love having you on the show, and it's it's our show. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine, right? That's what we said on our wedding day. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Well, I love you. You're the best, and it's great, it's great to have your insight and get to share a little bit of this story. We haven't really talked about it a whole lot, so how fun is that? Love it. Awesome. Thanks, boo. Love you. If you liked today's episode, would you consider leaving a review in the podcast app or wherever you listen? If this show has helped you grow into the she you were made to be at all, taking 0.3 seconds to leave a review would mean the world. This helps the show grow so I can keep researching, creating, and providing new content to help you make your life better every single week. If you leave a review, be sure to share a screenshot of it on your Instagram story and tag me so that I can personally thank you. Thanks so much, sister friend. You are the best. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? 
AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.